0: Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. It's the new year and we are starting up a brand new message series called Wisdom, Start Strong, Finish Stronger. It's an amazing time to jump into the word of God this year. Our church family is actually starting a brand new Bible in a Year reading plan, and we would absolutely love to read along with you on the YouVersion Bible app. Visit our website to get plugged into that. You can find us at www.wordoflifeag.org. Come on, let's check out week one of our series with Nick Scholes. Good morning, church. Um, who watched the ball drop? Anyone watched the ball drop? So, uh... Pastor Tom and um, Pastor Megan just talked about uh, the next four weeks are going to be on wisdom. And uh, I was watching Ryan Seacrest uh, this uh, on watching the ball drop, and uh, you know what the ball represented this year? Anyone? No one watched it. The gift of wisdom. So I've decided that um, I'm all good. I watched the ball drop. I've got wisdom because I watched it. If any of you watched it, you're good to go too. Um, So we can leave. We good? (laughs) <laughs> You're like, oh, what's going on? Are we really leaving? Um, so uh, here's the deal. We, uh, I'm curious when the last time that you asked for wisdom is. Um, I'm sure you can all point to some very specific time in your life. Maybe when you got married, um, when you bought a house when you made some decision to go to college or the military, you made some really big decision. And if you were a Christ follower at the time, you probably really, you started to pray about it. You started to say, Lord, I need some wisdom. I don't know. I I don't know what to do. I need some wisdom. And these big decisions, you know, those are the kind of the big decisions. But I, I would guess if you're a parent in here, you also have asked for wisdom on, probably an hourly basis, or at least I ask for wisdom on an hourly basis. Uh, I don't know about you, maybe you guys have it all figured out, but I certainly as a parent do not. In fact, this last week, um, something happened in my household that uh, one of my children, I won't name who, was out, and I needed to have a a pretty serious conversation with that individual. And um, my thought was immediately, go pick him up, and we'll have one heck of a ride home. Right? Right? That's what it was going to be. And yet, uh, thank goodness I have my wife who said, hey, calm down, relax. Let's sit. Let's wait for him to get home. And let's have a conversation when he's home. And that point of wisdom uh, was so important for me because uh, it ended up so much better. But here's the reality. We all want more wisdom in our lives. And whether that means you are the very first time listening to a Christian sermon, or this, uh, you've been a Christ follower for years, you want some type of greater understanding or wisdom in your life. Something to help you guide, help you guide yourself through life, because it's really hard. This life is really, really difficult. And you only have to look so far as to most Christians' prayer life to recognize that we all desire wisdom. God, give us wisdom. It might be only second to, God, I pray for a hedge of protection around us. I hope that's kind of a laugh because I don't even know what a hedge of protection is. I listen to a hilarious comedian talk about a hedge of protection. Uh, but we pray for wisdom. We pray for hedges of protection. We pray for all these different things. And yet I'm not quite sure we actually know what we're praying for. And so when I was asked to share over the first... Um, Uh, the first sermon on a sermon series on wisdom, I realized I needed to know first what wisdom is. And then I needed to know why I need it. And then finally, I needed to figure out how to get it. And so that's what I needed. And so you might not all need it, but that's what I'm gonna talk about today. What is wisdom? Why do we need it? How do we get it? And if you uh, if you read the Bible for or have read the Bible at any length of time, you'll recognize that there is one character that jumps off the page when it talks about wisdom, and that character is Solomon. And Solomon was a king in the Old Testament. And I am going to start uh, this morning by by reading a passage of scripture, which is the very first introduction um, of Solomon after he kind of um, is uh, instilled in as king. Solomon is David's son. So just to give you an idea, he's a king of Israel. Uh, he is David's son. And uh, this is the first, scripture, or first uh, passage that I want to read this morning uh, to kind of start us off. It's in 1 Kings chapter 3 verses three through nine. It says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, the king and Solomon. For that was the great high place. Solomon used, used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, "'Ask what I shall give you.' "'And Solomon said, "'You have shown great and steadfast love "'to your servant David, my father, "'because he walked before you in faithfulness, "'in righteousness, "'and in uprightness of heart toward you. "'And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, "'and I have given him a son to sit on this throne this day. "'And now, O Lord my God, "'you have made your servant king in place of David, my father.' although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Here's the next next verse. So give your servant therefore an understanding mind. In some translations, it says, give your servant an understanding heart, and actually the Greek implies more, or the Hebrew implies more an understanding heart. Give your servant an understanding heart to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this young, this great people, your great people. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, present your word this morning. Uh. And your word is so powerful, so mighty, and so many amazing things come from it. And I pray, Lord, that um, as my words come out, that they wouldn't necessarily be my words, Lord. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. But, Lord, that this would be something that is spoken directly into people's lives. I pray, I, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, prepare our minds for what you want to speak into us this morning. Use me as a vessel, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Amen. So in most times, in most sermons, uh, you have to give some type of context to where you're at, right? Uh, I, I think it's important because if you don't provide context, then you don't really understand how to dig in and read this Bible. So I'm going to provide context though, but I want you guys to humor me a little bit in this context is that I want you guys to be Solomon for a second. Are you guys willing to do that? Here's what you get to be. You Ready? You're born into abundance. And not just regular abundance, we're talking about the type of abundance where your dad is king, that type of abundance. It's pretty good abundance. He's not only king, he's considered one of the greatest soldiers and leaders of all time, that type of abundance. And then he says, hey, you're not my firstborn son, but you're going to take the reign of the kingdom. It's gonna be yours all of this is going to be yours. You follow me? You're, you're this person. And oh, by the way, you're going to build God's house. <laughs> you're going to build a house for God. And with the leftover building materials, you're going to get to build yourself the most amazing mansion ever. It's going to take you about 20 years to do this. But over the course of these 20 years, you're going to expand your reach. You're going to go and rebuild cities. You're going to go and do this amazing, amazing stuff all over the place. Um, and your reach is going to be great. Oh, and by the way, you're going to be considered the wisest man that ever lived. People are going to come from all over just to hear you speak. You're going to be the greatest motivational speaker ever. And if that wasn't enough, you have more wealth than all of the kings combined. That's who you are right now. That's Solomon's world. In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 31, it says, For he was wiser than all other men. 2 Chronicles nine twenty-three it says, And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. And if you need more uh, explanation, he also wrote, uh, all of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon, and a couple of Psalms. So this guy's doing pretty good. You guys are doing pretty good. Well, maybe not so much. You see, if you read um, 1 Kings chapter 11, and you only read that, <laughs> you think Solomon might be the worst person ever to walk the earth. I'm not joking. I'm not going to read it because I think that you'd run out of this sanctuary if I read it. So I'm not gonna read it. But here is what it says. And, And the reason I, there's a very, very specific reason why I gave you the context of where Solomon is and where he's coming from and what is going to be the reality of Solomon at the end of his life and where he existed. So you're Solomon, you were born into adultery The type of adultery where um, your dad sleeps with your mom and kills your mom's husband. That type of adultery. Uh, You've been completely allowed, now you have to be a male for a second, I'm sorry. Or maybe you could just flip it back and forth. Uh, You've been completely allowed to have women control your life. Everyone's like cringing, like, what is he saying right now? <laughs> um, what I mean is that he, uh, he was uh, allowing um, prostitutes to control his life. He has been in multiple marriages. Your actions don't reflect a life dedicated to God. You're concerned with materialistic things. You're not wholly committed to God. You desire personal gain over spiritual maturity, you don't meet up to the standards of your father, your earthly father. You've allowed worldly idols to replace a space only God should inhibit. You've been advised to never do something and you still choose to do it. Still want to be Solomon? And I'm curious if any of those things that just were said, you actually relate to just a little bit. I can raise my hand and say, you know what, I kind of fall in here. And here's why I say all of those, because I think Solomon is the indicator to all of us, and although the the Bible doesn't say this, he's an indicator that if we look at the life of Solomon, we realize that, man, uh, he was this amazing king, and if I would have left it there, you couldn't have related Maybe if you're Jim Catrone, who thinks that this, king, this is his kingdom as you walk into church every morning, I think it's Rob Curcio this morning, so uh, maybe he's king over the sanctuary this morning. Um, but we're not kings. So we couldn't relate. But I can relate to not being wholly committed to God. I can relate to putting personal gain over spiritual maturity. I can relate to that. So Solomon is an indicator that we all can have wisdom. He was the wisest man that ever lived, but yet he was a mess. He was a mess. Thank goodness that we have that ability. Thank goodness that Solomon is a model for us to relate to. Because his imperfectness was the perfect example for us. He didn't have it all together. He didn't have a perfect wife. He didn't have perfect kids. He didn't have a great social media platform or presence. But with all of his failures, God still used him in a mighty way. And he can use you in a mighty way too. Just as you are with all of your mess. And I hope we understand that. Um, I've been really intentional about kind of describing solomon here because we have to see ourselves to some level in solomon to be able then to recognize that we can receive wisdom to the same level we have to see ourselves in that so i hope i've convinced you that you're capable of receiving wisdom that's the first part so what is wisdom um as I kind of prepared for this sermon, I, I don't think I was prepared, as I prepared, I don't think I was prepared, to encounter wisdom the way that I encountered it when I read the Bible. Um, wisdom is not all I thought it was at all. See, I thought wisdom was when I went in, to engage in a conversation with someone of mature age, You know, that individual that you want to bring a notepad along because you think that they have something to impart on you. That's what I thought wisdom was. So that was my mindset, right? Some greater understanding of life. Probably, if I was really honest, if you've studied Buddhism at all, I was probably thinking wisdom in that realm. That's what I was probably thinking about wisdom is. Maybe it was, I thought, going back to school. Maybe it was book smart. Maybe it was if I was a super Christian and prayed like crazy, that would get me wisdom. That's what I thought wisdom was. But I've recognized as I have prepared and read that wisdom wasn't any of that at all. You see, wisdom is not a greater recognition of life or a way of thinking or a higher level of understanding or a thought process we somehow come to when we reach a certain age. It is, however, an action. And it's specifically a release of our own strength and in return, trusting the Holy Spirit, namely the spirit of wisdom to lead and to guide. I wanna say that again. Wisdom isn't some thought process that you get to. It's a release of saying, hey, I can't do this on my own. I have to release my own control. It's a release of our own desires, of our own striving. It's a release of our desire for perfection. It's a release of doing and religiosity and spirituality it 's a release a release of leadership and it 's a release and I want you to hear this one because I think this is the most important thing, and I think it's what we all get caught up in of holding it all together moms I, I, and I speak of uh, uh, watching my wife do it, we just hold it all together until it you know like mom's sick and then it just falls apart. Right? We're holding it all together. Our dads, we're just holding everything in. And we're, we're, we're trying to do it on our own. We're trying to strive and, and um, somehow, somehow get wisdom through that. Somehow create some understanding and somehow get through this life. And that's our guide. We just keep trying and trying and trying. You see, wisdom is walking in the reality and future he has given you. So, my question are you trying to win God's favor through your trying? Trying, trying, trying. You can't try hard enough. You can't work hard enough. You can't be kind enough. You can't be good enough. You can't, at least, not on your own power. Right. Um, in the Bible it says, Can a rich man enter heaven? The kingdom of heaven, and it says absolutely not. It's harder for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle, or the camel to go through an eye of a needle, than for a rich man to enter heaven. It simply can't be done. But the very next next verse says, But Christ follows it up with the disciples. It's impossible with man, but it's possible with God. Um, I, I can relate really well to this striving and trying. Uh, some of you may know I um, am, am in education. And for the last 15 years, up until three months ago, uh, I was in uh, a, another district. I'm in a different district now for the last three months. And um, I, uh, I thought I was ready for the next move in my career. And so when you're ready you go talk to the people up top, and you say, hey, I'm ready, I think I'm ready. And so I did, and I uh, had a really good conversation, and the superintendent said, hey, Nick, I've got a place for you, it's, it's gonna be great, I'm really excited, I've been waiting for you to have this conversation with me, I'm looking forward to you to step into the next, next role. I was an assistant principal, I wanted to be a principal, to give you context. And, um, and so, uh, that was 18 months ago, and I had that conversation. And I had uh, I had one interview in um, about a year and a half ago, and uh, a little less than 18 months. And um, the interview I was told was amazing. Nick, you were the best. You interviewed the best of anyone. However, it just wasn't the right time. Um, COVID caused some issues, so it wasn't the right time for you, Nick. Okay, that's fine. So I decided to sit. Uh, an entire other year as an assistant principal, and I continued to do the things that I was doing. And uh, then I called up uh, our human resources officer and said, hey, um, is my application still in? No, it's not. You got you to gotta reapply. Okay, I'll go through the process again. Probably had this chip on my shoulder a little bit, and I interviewed again. And uh, I was told, um, well, let me give you context." Uh, the first interview, I might not have been a good fit. I could kind of see why you could have a conversation, uh, that I wasn't a good fit. The second interview, I was the perfect fit. And I probably thought that, (laughs) which is not good. And, um, so I went into the interview, probably a little frustrated from last year, probably a little chip on my shoulder. And, uh, they said, hey, we're going to contact you either tonight or tomorrow morning. Um, you're going to know because we want to really move this process along. So I um, didn't get a phone call that night, didn't get a phone call the next morning. And uh, two days go by, and my executive director shows up and says, hey, Nick, um, the interview didn't go well. And I didn't think it went great, but I was like, uh, okay. Um, he said, you came off cocky. You came off arrogant. Uh, that was devastating to me. Um, I, I, I don't try to live my life that way at all. Uh, so I went and started asking people, hey, am I that guy? Um, am I that guy that no one wants to hear speak when they sit in a room? Uh, it's like, oh, no, why is he talking again? Like, am I that guy? And I found out I wasn't, um, but uh, I didn't get that job. There was actually three buildings open. So then I get another interview. Third interview in my district. I'm told by the superintendent 18 months ago, Nick, we want you here. This is a really good place. You, you, we've been waiting for you. And to lead up to this, I was asked um, for three years prior, when are you going to apply, Nick? When are you going to apply? I go into my third interview, and, um, and I don't get the job. My third interview. Uh, now, 15 buildings have been filled in my district. 15. Now, that's a lot. And that will, that will eat at someone's pride really, really quickly. When you think 15 people have passed me up, what am I doing wrong? What was I doing wrong? <laughs> I was trying to do something on my own accord. I was trying and trying and trying to make something work that didn't work. And in fact, the way that I explain it to a lot of people is I kept trying a bunch of doors by myself that were kept getting slammed in my face, and it forced me to say, oh, here's a door of a different color, of a different shape that I never would have ever tried, but because I'm willing to listen now to what maybe God has for me, I'm going to try that door. And I applied once. I got a second interview, I got a third interview, and I got the job. Uh, it's, it's, It's okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. But it just showed me that I can't try hard enough if God's got a plan. I can't. I can't keep trying. And you see, Solomon did this same exact thing. In 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, it says, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for my name of the Lord his God because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. Let me ex- explain what, I, what he is saying. He's saying David didn't have time to do it. David couldn't do it. David needed to do a bunch of other things. So he didn't have the time to build God's house. This is what Solomon says. But now the Lord, my God, has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. I want you to consider the ramifications of this verse. Solomon recognized that his father David may have been more cut out to build God's temple. But... It wasn't his timing. He wasn't ready. And the reason I asked you to consider the ramifications of that verse, because I wonder if there are some Davids in here who are preparing a way for someone else. Or maybe some Solomons who something has already been prepared a way for you, and you need to just step into it, right? Those are the two different um, different things here. I'm curious if you would ask yourself, is my role to lighten the load or prepare a way for who comes after me? Or maybe step into what's already been prepared for me. Unfortunately, our culture doesn't want you to recognize this, right? Because you must find inner strength. Focus on what's best for you. Look inward. No one else can do it for you. That's what they say, right? Right? These are the sayings that are so prevalent in our culture. Me first. That's not what wisdom is. Wisdom is the recognition that apart from the Holy Spirit in your life, you have nothing. And I know that's, that's tough. You mean it's not my work? No. You mean I didn't do? No. You mean I wasn't the one who built? No, it's not you. And I, for one, need to be told daily, Nick, not you. Not me. The Holy Spirit is saying, recognize my hand in everything. That is wisdom. Recognize my hand in everything. I. Um, so, you might... I want to make sure that I'm not missing something here because I missed some, some pieces in my notes and I don't want to, I don't want to miss it. Um, wisdom is, is the recognition, is the release. So I talked about wisdom being the release. Wisdom is the release of your own power and the recognition that the Holy Spirit wants to take charge, okay? So let me leave, leave that at, at what is wisdom, Why do we need it? This should be simple enough, right? We started out with uh, saying how much we all pray for wisdom, want wisdom. If we're a parent, we need wisdom. Um, We're constantly wanting more of it. But we can learn a lot from a visitor that Solomon had during his reign. She's known as the Queen of Sheba or the Queen of the South. And the account of her and Solomon is in 1 Kings chapter 10, if you want to read it. And I'm not going to read it. But um, she was a, a sun worshiper, S-U-N, sun, sun worshiper. Uh, so she didn't worship um, God. And uh, in some accounts, it says that a normal trip would have taken her seven years, but it took her three years to get to Solomon. She travels to Solomon. So she took every possible way to get to Solomon, car, bike, motorcycle, moped, donkey, everything to get there. And um, And she gets there, and her first, the first account of her approaching Solomon is it says, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to test him with hard questions. And so the subtitle here is, Why do I need wisdom? You need wisdom because you must be ready when someone asks you hard questions. And I say, Someone, I also mean, When you have to ask yourself hard questions or hard decisions. I actually had a conversation with um, a friend this morning who said he had to make some hard decisions over Christmas uh, around some family situations. Hard decisions, hard questions. Why do we need wisdom? Because someone is going to ask you some hard questions. Are you willing and ready and able and prepared to answer those hard questions? And if that someone is you, you need to be prepared to answer those hard questions. Your wisdom is going to make people stop in their tracks. Seriously. This is what uh, it says the Queen of Sheba said. Or not not what she said, what the account of her. In chapter or in verse four, I'm going to read verse four and then five. The end of five, I'm going to skip some stuff, um, but just um, understand that uh, the middle stuff doesn't need to be read. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, dot 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 dot, there was no more breath in her. She didn't die; she was just speechless. Saw all the wisdom, she was speechless. When they ask the tough questions, your responses are going to challenge people to think. When someone asks you a tough question, the way you respond, if you have the Holy Spirit, living and breathing in your life, it's going to stop people in their tracks. And when they begin to think, when they're completely stopped in their tracks, they're going to recognize that it is God who gives you the wisdom. Remember, I told you that the queen of Sheba was a sun worshiper. There was a reason I told you that. She was a sun worshiper, which means she's not recognizing God Almighty, the God of Israel. But in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 9, it says, "'Blessed be the Lord your God, who is delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king.'" that you may execute justice and righteousness. Sun worshiper now recognizes it has to be God. I, I, maybe we don't call them sun worshipers, but I can guarantee there's some people in your life, there's some people at your work, there's some people around you that, are, that would either denounce God agnostic, atheist, or just say, you know what, I I don't really want anything to do with that. You can have your own little um, religious game. You can can live your religious life. I don't really want any of that. You have those people in your life, and they're gonna ask you hard questions. And when they ask you hard questions, are you ready to respond? And if you're ready to respond— you have the opportunity to see them give their lives to the Lord because you're prepared and ready. That's why we need wisdom. I, uh, um, I had a hard question happen to me 11 years ago. And there might be some people actually that um, came on this trip with me. I, uh, I went to a mission trip to Peru 11 years ago. Um, Some of you even maybe supported me, uh, so thank you for that, whether it was in prayer or whether it was financially. Um, And it was a mighty amazing experience. Unbelievable. Changed my life. And I came back, and uh, I was asked, um, my wife and I were asked to join the ministry uh, of who we went with when we went there. There was a school in Peru, and, uh, and joining this ministry, at first it kind of implied that we would help here. But I really kind of got the sense that um, the idea would be that we would maybe become full-time missionaries. And um, when you come back from a short-term missions trip... You're willing to do anything. Uh, your life is like, whoa, like, um, okay, God, do it all. Like, I'm ready. Here we go. I'm gonna jump into the deep end. And um, and so that was my thought process. Right, man. I, I'm I'm making Jen sound like she's the woman of wisdom. Uh, period. Because um, she's like, whoa, let's 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 pump the brakes. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to uproot my family here. Um, and, uh, and so we started to pray about it, really seriously pray about it. And um, I, I ended up either, and I can't remember this, so I don't want to misrepresent um, it, but I was either reading um, about Abraham or I heard a sermon on this. Like I said, I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but it was very clear at the time that if I was to step into this ministry, that I would be birthing an Ishmael in my life. And that's a fancy Christianese term for something that Abraham wanted to have happen. He wanted a son. He prayed like crazy for a son. But he tried to make it happen on his own without letting the Lord control and do it. That's why we need wisdom. Because I could have thrust my family into something that wasn't in line with what he had. Because my, my wife was just starting a ministry where she has seen countless young women recognize who God is and who God is, it is in their life through my wife. God has given me countless opportunities in my workplace for 15 years in in, um, my previous district to speak truth and life into colleagues. Those are the opportunities I would have missed had I jumped into something. So finally, how do we get it? How do we get wisdom? In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 through 18, the first part of 18, it says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus here, asking God to give them the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him and that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened. Here we begin to realize that we have access to the spirit of wisdom through the gospel of Christ and the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, which was what? He was left after Christ ascended into heaven. For who? Us. For us. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the release of you trying to control it. You know, isn't it funny sometimes that um, we, we accept God We accept this salvation and it's a free gift. And we recognize when we accept it, that it's a free gift. But we have the audacity to then take back the reins from God and say, you know what? No, I'm gonna control it. Thanks for the free gift, but I'm gonna control my life because I wanna do it this way. I wanna control this. That's crazy. That's crazy audacity. We're taking the reins back from God because we think we know better. That's insane. But the Holy Spirit was left behind for us. For us. The allowance of the Holy Spirit to move and act in our, li- act in our lives is perfect wisdom. So how do we access it? The first point, Is that we need to have a passionate love for God? And here are the four points I want you to take away. I hope you kind of understood what wisdom is. I hope you understand that we need it. How do we access it? Because it's fine to know it, know about it, and know that I need it, but how do you access it? You need to have a passionate love for God. And please hear me out. I'm not talking about regular church attendance. I'm not talking about those who say, I love God, God is good. Not talk, and even Andy, um, sitting up here, said, hey, I don't want to just be a box checker. That's not passionate love for God. I'm talking about someone who is in love, in love with God, a user of God, a user of his deity, lovers of his deity, lovers of his righteousness, lovers of his discipline, Amen. lovers of his son. 1 uh, uh, Kings chapter four, 3, oh man, I need to take it drink of water. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 3 it says Solomon loved the Lord. I don't know if you re- that was the very first thing I said. Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David his father. True wisdom starts with love. There's no other formula. There's no other precursor in fact, Solomon was not even where he was supposed to be during this portion of scripture. Let me hear this. I want you to hear this too. He was in Gibeon. Gibeon was a high place. That's not, that, that was against what God had asked him to do. Get rid of the high places, which is where they worshiped. But that's where he was. And that's where God met him. That's where God met him. You don't have to get things right. You, even as a Christian... You don't have to say, well, I've got to do it this way. Or I've got to to have like my whole setup for my quiet time this way. (laughs) He's going to meet you where you are. I don't care whether that's a bar. I don't care whether that is in someone else's house, in the middle of school, in your workplace, in sitting next to a machine that you're working on. I don't care where it is. He's going to meet you there. That's where he's going to meet you. And I want to note for the unbeliever here too. If you're walking in here like, I don't know about this. I don't know about this whole Christian thing. I came to church because my friend asked me or I came to church because I came on Christmas Eve and I'll give this church another shot. I want you to have an understanding that this is your start. This is your start. All I said was point number one, a passionate love for God. I want you to know he loves you and the only thing you need to do is love him back. It's, it's that simple. So if you're sitting in, the, in um, these pews wondering like, okay, what's, what's next in this? Passionate love. Love God back. Number two, you need to be, have a sincere desire to be a blessing. If we are to receive the spirit of wisdom, we must first be a servant, ultimate leading, to be in a blessing to others. You see, Solomon didn't ask for himself. He didn't ask to increase wealth so he could then serve God more effectively. And let me tell you, I have heard people say that. I need to build up my stockpile so then I can serve God in a more effective way. That's not what he asked. He asked for a listening heart. He asked for a listening heart. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people. Why? In order to bless others. I don't know if you, if you see what's going on. God said, ask for anything. He said, ask me anything. And he said, I want a listening heart to be able to bless others. That's what kings did in that day. Kings would sit and and rule. They'd be judge, jury, executioner, and people would come with their problems. He said, I want a discerning heart to be able to bless others. Point number two, we have to be able to bless others. Point number three, we have to be willing to sacrifice. Romans 12, verse 1, the second part of verse 1, it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Solomon was sacrificing at Gibeon. Christ provided the ultimate sacrifice. You see, Solomon um, is in the Old Testament. Obviously, Christ is in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, Christ is actually called the much greater Solomon. It actually says it just like that. The much greater Solomon. Christ is the perfect example, perfect understanding that what we, under, what we see in Solomon and gaining wisdom, Christ also did all of these things. He had a passionate love for his father. He was willing to bless others. He was willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice is a representation of your devotion to God. And if you hear and talk to anyone who has had mighty, amazing encounters with God, you will almost always hear that connected to some point of sacrifice in their lives. Almost always. So sacrifice is a very uncomfortable thing and it's been completely bastardized by our culture because it implies imprisonment, right? It's like, oh, you have to sacrifice this. Christians get just hammered for it. Oh, you're, you got to sacrifice, I don't know, drinking or something like that, right? To, to really be a good Christian or you're being a hypocrite. It's not about sacrificing that. It's about fully allowing, taking the reins off of you, sacrificing your hold, being willing to release that aspect of things and saying, okay, God, you control. Deep sacrifice opens us up to deep encounters with the Holy Spirit. Do you hear that? Amen. Deep sacrifice opens us up to deep encounters with the Holy Spirit. The fourth point is ask the Lord for wisdom. Um, I know that uh, Pastor Lisa is doing one of these uh, um, wisdom sermons. And I'm going to steal one verse from the portion of scripture that I probably know she's going to. However, you, I would guess almost all of us will, will say this scripture. And it's in um, James 1 verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. James is telling us, ask the owner of wisdom. Don't go to a bunch of receivers of wisdom, ask the owner. And what does it say? Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. Ask, it'll be given. That's what it says. That's exactly what Solomon did. He asked, therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people. He asked for wisdom. He could have asked for anything and he asked for wisdom. Solomon didn't ask for a singular event in his life. He didn't ask when he was about to get married. He didn't ask when he was about to close on a house. He didn't ask when he was headed off to college. He didn't ask whether he uh, should marry this individual or go out with this group of friends. He asked as the precursor for his entire life. Church, this is the only way we can survive with a spirit of wisdom in our lives. In a nation and a time where we don't have a handbook on anything. And I want you to know what will happen. What will be God's reply if this is your approach? If you go directly to asking him. This was his reply to Solomon. It's in chapter four, I know it's not going to be um, shown on the screens. It says, "And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measurement, beyond measure, and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. Beyond measure. That's his promise to you concerning your one and only life. your one and only family, your faith your career to ask. So I told you before my idea of wisdom before I started preparing was kind of nothing like what I found out it was. But I don't want you to be frustrated assuming you don't have wisdom based on experiences. And I don't want you to be frustrated assuming you can't get wisdom from someone in this church because there are many people in this church that have a ton of wisdom. You need to remember how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word, but that's not the only way. He speaks to us through people. Sometimes it's a, uh, an out loud voice. Sometimes it's a, a, a whisper in your spirit. Sometimes it's a conversation with a friend. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks. But it's not going to that person because they have some level of wisdom that you don't. It's going to the source First and foremost, in Second Chronicles, 7:14. this is our last scripture for the day. Um, it accounts what we have to take with us. And it has been a scripture that I think some people have really used in this current time. Um, it's a scripture that I was asked when I was 20. I had just moved here. What's your favorite scripture? This is my favorite scripture. It's the first time I've ever preached on it or said it in a sermon. And it's the scripture that needs to be the prayer for our generation for our church for everything around. Second Chronicles 7:14. It says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land." just so that we're all awake, I want you guys to repeat after me this, this Scripture. And as we repeat it, I want, we're going to break it up because it's easily, easily broken up. So repeat after me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I told you there was four ways to access the spirit of wisdom. The first one was to love God. I can't think of anything that says love like seeking His face. The second one was to bless others. Blessing others is the ultimate act of humility. Humble yourselves. Bless others. The third one is to sacrifice. We're going to have to turn from certain ways. We're going to have to f- sacrifice certain things in our lives. And it might not seem wicked. I-, I think we need to exchange that term wicked. Wicked implies this evil, vile thing. Sometimes you just need to turn from saying, God, I'm going to do this on my own. That's sacrifice. That's sacrifice. And the fourth thing, ask. If we pray, ask. See, this this verse provides the roadmap to having a spirit of wisdom over our lives. This is the prayer. This This is the verse that I hope you start to put to memory. We don't talk a lot about memorizing. Man, this verse. You bring this up if my people who are called by my name. Thank you for calling me, God. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for calling my people. Lord, I want to humble myself. I want to pray. I want to seek your face. I want to turn. I want to turn. I want to release what I have, what I've been trying to do on my own. And I want to give it to you because I know that you're going to forgive me and I thank you for forgiving me and you're going to heal this land that I currently live in. We got to open our eyes. We got to recognize that wisdom doesn't exist here. Wisdom comes from above. Wisdom is from the Holy Spirit. I want the uh, prayer team to come down right now. Um, and I'm going to close. Really. I'm going to say it one more time. Love Him. Bless others. Sacrifice. And ask. That's how we get wisdom. So this morning, whether you sit there or whether you come down and say, Hey, I, 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 need, to, I need to meet with something to, someone to deal with this. The altars or your pew is where you begin, where you continue, where you restart, or where you excel in your release of your own desires and your full trusting in the spirit of wisdom in your life. That's what wisdom is. Don't go go searching for it in receivers. Go find it in the owner. Thank you, church.